0: dot Episode 627 Warning Access restricted. Please submit to DNA verification. Processing Verification complete. Access granted. Welcome. Welcome to the monitor room at the Christian Geek Central podcast, a biblical examination and celebration of geekery and geek entertainment, as well as the official podcast of ChristianGeekCentral.com. I'm Peter Franson from Spirit Blade Productions, producing entertainment and resources to hopefully equip, encourage, and inspire Christian geeks like you and me to live in the freedom and purpose that Christ has given us. For more information about Spirit Blade Productions, you can check out SpiritBlade.com or patreoncom Productions on the show today. A quick look at some helpful books in the continuation of my bookshelf tour series. Not particularly geeky books, but uh, can give you a little bit of insight uh, into me personally a little bit. Hopefully that's of some interest to you. Um, Sorry, guys. It's been kind of an unusual week. I had to scramble to put something together for the Friday content on the YouTube channel, and that was... The best I could do, Um, I'm also going to share some brief thoughts about Watch Dogs Legion and why I'm not reviewing it. Uh, And then also we're going to look at the, the idea of learning how to rejoice when life just sucks as we continue in the book of Philippians. And then I'll share my plans for my annual 24-hour video game marathon on November 7th, which you might have missed already by the time you hear this, but I'm going to try and get this podcast out maybe a little bit early so that uh, so that it'll come out still. Um, in a good amount of time before this coming Saturday the 7th at 5 a.m. Pacific. Plus, more assorted topics based on your questions, feedback, and My Geek Week. You can check those timestamps for more details. Here we go. It's been well over a year, (laughs) but I'm finally going to do part 16 of my bookshelf series tour. We are getting into the territory now. Of Books that some I haven't read some I haven't read in a long time Uh, And so it's it's not a a, a section of books that I reference a lot But that I still for one reason or another have wanted to keep I am again gonna put ten minutes on my timer and see How much I can talk through in that time starting now? All right, so uh, first we've got a couple of books here from the God's Design for Sex series. We've used these with our boys to kind of just from an early age start talking to them about sex so that there's no weirdness about it. They understand that it has a particular role and a time and place where it should be talked about and uh, and confines in which it is meant to be experienced, but we wanted to uh, remove mystique and uh, taboos from talking about it very frankly and so these have been helpful books this one before i was born uh, by let's see here carol nystrom n-y-s-t-r-o-m the series again is called god's design for sex this is for ages five through eight uh the next one in that series is uh let's see ages eight to eleven. What's the big deal by Stan and Brenna Jones? And actually, um, going through right now with my oldest son is uh, also by Stan and Brenna Jones. Facing the facts. This is uh ages eleven through fourteen, and so it's been a, a series that has been useful as we visit the topic and then revisit it uh, so that they don't kind of forget and we get uh, continue that level of comfort in talking about these things uh, in the appropriate times in places. So that's been good for us. Another one that's been good for me, and particularly my uh, oldest son, is uh, this book called Jesus is Alive by Josh McDowell and Sean McDowell. Josh McDowell, best known for his uh, books, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, volumes one and two. And so this kind of takes a lot of that information and makes it approachable to uh, kids that are, are, you know kids younger. <laughs> and uh, this has been great because my oldest son it has a similar temperament to me, always asking questions and having insecurities and emotionally based doubts. And so uh, it's been really good to have one resource. Actually, I think we're ready to kind of graduate on to uh, some of the more adult books uh, for him now that, uh, that that answer these questions. Ah, oh, dang it. My gosh. OK, now I'll do that in a few minutes here. Let me put that there so I don't forget. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this has been, this has been really good, and just kind of like uh, talking about the basis for the 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 reasons that we have to believe in the resurrection, the basis in historical fact and archaeology, and all these other kinds of things. So, uh, this has been this has been good. Let's see. This is a book that I don't know if I ever read, but it's a book that when I was a worship pastor at our church, which I was for two years on staff for a total of four years. Prior to that, I was working under the worship pastor before me. Uh, but anyway, when I uh, took that role, I. Started started to, uh, trying to learn how to be a better leader, and and also the elders and pastors on staff would sometimes read through books together and discuss them as a group. And so this one is one that I think I got during that time. It might have been near the tail end of... Oh, wait, no, I've got like a notes here that are pretty deep into this, so maybe I did read this at some point. Anyway, uh, so I've kept it because I thought to myself, well, I'm not really leading online in what I'm doing. I, there, there's some aspects of leadership going on, but compared to you know, pastoral and in-person leadership, it's a very different animal, but even so I've kept it just in case there might be some principles I might want to go back to that would be useful to me in my work right now. Uh, this is a book that I have not finished, but was really, let's see, I'm i am about three-fourths or more of the way through it, um, and this is called Secrets of the Secret Place by Bob Sorge, I believe is how you pronounce that name. He is a worship pastor that uh, I really appreciated reading some of his books when I was a worship pastor. And then this I, I started reading while I was still a worship pastor, but then continued for years after that on and off and just really helped me develop some of the disciplines of how I use my quiet time um, and uh, how how I can maximize the effectiveness of the time that I dedicate specifically to scripture, to prayer, to meditation, to those relational things that are very focused uh, with God. So Secrets of the Secret Place, thats that's been uh, surprisingly practical uh, and, uh, and, and very effective for that. Uh, let's see here, next up. Is let's see, I want to call, keep track of the time here. Oh my gosh, we're almost halfway through our time here. Uh, this one's called For Men Only. This has a companion book called For Women Only that's by Shanti Feldham. This one is co-written also by her husband, Jeff. And these were companion books that were meant to be kind of read separately, but together at the same time with your spouse. And so Holly and I actually read through these books so that we could better understand each other. And so we have had for... Gosh, uh, 15 years, more than that, maybe. We've had a tradition of having lunch together every Tuesday, and for the uh, early handful of those years as we were figuring out how best to use that time we had a habit of reading through books together that were specifically about you know maybe building our marriage and uh, uh, and making it more healthy and uh, making it more uh, intimate and you know relational just all the benefits you get out of marriage and you know sex of course is in there too that's uh, one of the topics that's covered in books like this we've been through several marriage books uh, together but we've also been through other books that are just more general topics about life uh, Life issues that she and I both were kind of thinking about and processing and so anyway This is yeah for men only a straightforward guide to the inner lives of women And uh, I found this one and for women only to be just great books for us to go together. The chapters were not uh, Terribly long. They have some great data backing up, you know uh, Everything that they're talking about just very very insightful and uh, one that I have even come back to and had to remind myself Okay, why? Why is Holly, why are we just not seeing this thing the same way? Oh, okay, let me look at that chapter again really quick. And like, oh, that's right, Peter. That's right. You got to remember this about her. And so that's been great for us. Uh, Now, here's one that I have not read in a long, long time. But this is The Power of the Cross. It's a devotional by Steve Green, which is an inspirational Christian singer that I was a huge fan of in college uh, when I was really convinced that I was going to be going into the Christian music industry. And so I was just like anything that had Steve Green on it, I was really into. And uh, this was really good for me because he talks... It's a devotional specifically from uh, the perspective of an artist, of an aspiring artist who's, you know, entering into that career. And, you know... Uh, and so there were some... Uh, personality things that I found in common with this that I found helpful. It's not been near as... I haven't gone back to it because I found other books that deal with kind of uh, the heart of the artist. There's actually a book by Rory Noland, I think it's called, or Nolan. I can't remember his last name. But that one uh, I used when I was a worship pastor to take groups through in our uh, worship ministry because it was uh, even more powerfully in tune with kind of the uh, the pitfalls, the strengths, the weaknesses, all those kinds of things that come with being a creative type and pursuing life with Christ and in ministry and in community with others. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, there's that. This one I have not read. It's J.I. Packer, God Has Spoken. I read J.I. Packer's. Knowing God, I think it's called, uh, which is a more well known book than this one and one that I really liked at the time. It was before I was reading full on theology textbooks. And so it was the, you know, kind of a a more casual theology type of book uh, that uh, really made an impact on me. But I haven't gone back to this because I think uh, as a reader, I've just become more interested in more in depth. You know textbook type materials when it comes to theology, and so I, I haven't quite gotten around to uh, to this one. This might actually be my wife's, and I think I hijacked it and put it on my bookshelf at some point. Another one that falls in that category is John R. W. Stott's Basic Christianity. There's even some things in here, if I remember correctly, that I uh, I didn't quite agree with. It's maybe a few controversial points, if I remember correctly. But anyway, way back in college, I, I was the last time I read this and uh, and found it useful to me. Here's another. Book book from my time uh, as a worship pastor that we read together as a staff. Uh, this uh, Strengths Finder 2.0. It's just a, you know, one of those books that kind of helps you figure out uh, how you are wired and how you can leverage that best to work with others in a team. That kind of thing. And so since uh, all of my work has largely been solo uh, ever since launching Spirit Blood Productions, I haven't had a reason to get back into this. But like that other book, I, I want to keep it just in case. Uh another book from way back in my past when I was doing a lot more fiction writing like the scripts that I wrote for uh, the Spirit Blade trilogy Uh, Terry Brooks is uh, possibly my favorite fantasy author Uh, and this is just a book that he wrote about writing and just kind of lessons that he learned from writing I read it once and that was I think before Holly and I were even married so uh, but again I just keep it around just in case there's something I would want some tip I would want to refresh my memory on and remember as I'm doing my own writing even though I'm not writing scripts and fiction near as much today as part of my work. Uh, I keep it around just in case. Uh, Let's see, this is one, this is a worship book that my dad and I at some point were going to be reading together. We kind of fell off of that habit, but it's a book about uh, philosophies of uh, uh, leading worship in uh, in the local church, and so uh, I don't really remember much about it at all. It's been a while since we even touched this thing, so... But then, anyway, there's that. Uh, this is one, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, by Gordon D. Fee and Douglas Stewart. Fee is a, uh, a more recent... Um uh, kind of like name to to me. I, I've read another one of his books that gets much more into the weeds about some specific theological issues and have really appreciated the clarity that he brought to some of those. And this is a much more popular level book, even though reading through it is like, hmm, I, I bought this and one other book as possible books that I would review and, uh, okay, our time's up here, that I would review and maybe recommend to uh, people that follow me on uh, Christian Geek Central as just a way that you could go deeper into your Bible study and uh, be better equipped to on your own really dig into and better understand scripture and so this was one of two it it ended up let's see is the other one here somewhere um it ended up not being the one that i would want to recommend there's another one that i can't remember the title now uh that i'm slowly slowly reading through it hasn't been a high priority but uh, eventually that would be the one that i would recommend but uh but this is still a good book still a very respected book as far as i've seen so far it's just a little bit more dry uh it's for generals for general casual readers, but uh, in that spectrum it's a little bit more on the technical side, and a little bit more on the dry side, so uh, not necessarily one that I would point everybody to, but uh, anyway, uh, that's it for now. I think next time we're gonna get into um, let's see, well, one, oh, yeah, I'll just comment on this one more. Bill Hybel's C- Courageous Leadership. It's another one of those leadership books, so I can, uh, I, I, that one, I can't remember if I finished or not, but anyway, next time, uh, we've got, uh, some, some books that I have been writing, <laughs> in a sense. These are, uh, devotional books that, uh, uh, that are from a particular time in my life, both while I was a worship pastor and after, and then, uh, uh a special, a book of a custom variety that I got for my wife. So those are things that I imagine that I will get to next time that'll maybe give you a little bit more insight into some of the spiritual journey I've then on, and in particular, my time as a worship pastor and, and what effect that has had, uh, what kind of formative things that did in my life that have since then fed into the ministry work that I'm doing now. But that is all the time I have for the Bookshelf Tour this time. Uh, stay tuned for more another time right now i'd like to take some time to write a tune for pre-made rhyme the lyrics kind of never change but the melody gets rearranged dude that was kind of non committal there for a few notes i never know what i'll create to say how much i appreciate gabriel stinson brian franklin olin d branham the Cellcast, cast drew rub winston Crouchfield, lee bray and jd myers thank you for supporting me and sbp and cgc and now to all who hear this tune thank you as well please come back soon Want to hear your name in song? Check out our page on Patreon. I want to remind you guys to check out the other members of the Christian Geek Central Network, such as the Strangers and Aliens podcast, the Theology Gaming podcast, the Untold podcast, POS, TOS, Helix Reviews, the Retro Rewind podcast, and the Cellcast. For more information about the CGC Network, visit ChristianGeekCentral.com. This is not a review of Watch Dogs Legion. I, did, uh, I had planned on reviewing it. I got a Gamefly subscription for a month, uh, in part, in order to review it. And I got it in the mail, and I started playing it. I got maybe an hour or an hour and a half into it, and realized... This is not a game I should review, not because of any content concerns or or you know, anything like that uh, that were going to like cause me to fall into sin or something like that, not, at least not in the first hour and a half that I saw, but um, it's just not my kind of game. I had played wa- much of Watch Dogs 2 and enjoyed a lot of the open world stuff. Everything that it had in common with saints row i enjoyed so just driving around town and you know doing fun little missions that way and and just the, just little open world thingies uh was fun but I, I think i got to a point in Watch Dogs 2 where i started just seeing the the puzzles a lot i liked using the drones the remote control drones and stuff but after a little while, you just, you just realize you're solving puzzles. You're looking at this thing and you're like, okay, here's all these moving pieces. And maybe those moving pieces are other drones that are like security measures or uh, laser scans that you have to avoid or security guards walking on a patrol or whatever. But all these moving parts that you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to stealth past this? And unlike, say, Assassin's Creed, at least the recent assassin's creed games if you at least in my experience if stealth gets broken and you get caught oftentimes in missions the jig is up you know there's no like brute forcing your way out of a situation whereas other ubisoft games like far cry like assassin's creed you can stealth as much as you are able or want to and then when you get caught you know maybe maybe you've at least thinned the ranks by that point but in Watch Dogs Legion, if you get caught, sometimes it'll just make the, the mission uh, unable to be completed, and you'll just have to go back and, and kind of start the process over again. Uh, and so, when you're dealing with that kind of thing, drones going back and forth, uh, and even if there's not a timer, there is a timing element to it that you have to be very precise about. It's very timing sensitive. And I I, I just really dislike that kind of gameplay. Uh, On top of that, and and I'll get to Watch Dogs Legion in a second here. All of what I'm saying applies to Watch Dogs Legion, essentially, because all this stuff I was just seeing again. Okay, that's the long and short of it. I was seeing again in Watch Dogs Legion, in the tutorial missions, uh, the things that I disliked and made me ultimately quit Watch Dogs 2 without finishing it. Um, So the the other element that's very puzzly is there will be these circuits that you have to follow. You can kind of turn on your special Batman vision to have X-ray vision and see all the circuits that are relevant to the puzzle or the door you're trying to open. And you have to connect the circuits. There'll be like these junction points with, that you can rotate so that um, you can make a current of electricity travel correctly through the circuits the way you want. Uh, it's it's a little bit like the pipe maze of of Bioshock if you know what I'm talking about. Um, you got to put pieces into place, except you're not building the whole the whole maze, the whole pipeline. You know, you're just you're just controlling these junctions. Anyway, in the in Watch Dogs Legion, in, in Watch Dogs 2, there there was very frequently these kind of junction puzzles that you would have to do, and eventually in some of the story missions, they were timed. They just had... I mean, of course, it was, like, because of some security uh, software that had this protocol that would only give you a certain amount of time. To, and, you know, that makes sense in the lore. So at least it's not as arbitrary as the freaking timer in Super Mario Brothers, where there's no reason that that, that Mario should die if the time runs out. There's no in-lore reason. I, I doubt that in any... F- I'm gonna get on a thing about Mario Brothers, and this won't be the f- last time, probably, in this particular episode... <laughs> But I, I I doubt there's lore anywhere that builds the timer into the lore in any way. You can find cartoons and comics and whatever little stories about Mario that build in the mushrooms and all the other things you encounter. But I would be shocked if there was any lore that incorporated the arbitrary freaking timer that's in some of those games. Anyway, so at least it's in lore, at least it's in story. But I still hate it. <laughs> I don't like the pressures of time, especially when I'm trying to solve a puzzle, because puzzles to begin with I'm not a big fan of. And so I think for a while in Watch Dogs 2, I was able to ride on the theme and and just let the theme carry me through those puzzle moments. But after a while... It's, it's that kind of moment I've described in other games on the podcast before. Is you see the puppeteer strings. Suddenly, like, that's all you can see. Or it's, or it's like Neo sees the code in the Matrix. All of a sudden, you don't see the pretty things, the beautiful things they want you to see in the game. All you see is the glaring mechanics uh, behind the scenes. And so uh, that's what I was seeing at, at some point in Watch Dogs 2. And when I saw all the promo materials for Watch Dogs Legion they were not talking about the puzzly elements really at all. They were talking about being able to recruit anyone in the game. That was their big selling point. And everyone would have these different skills that you'd bring to bear. But in like all the gameplay, except maybe near the very end, or maybe it was in the first review that I actually saw online for Watch Dogs Legion, that was the first time, toward the very end of the promotional cycle or the very beginning of the review cycle... Uh, I finally saw a reference to these Junction puzzles, and I saw that, I was like, oh, red flag. I don't know how much they're going to lean on those, but if they lean on those again, I think I'm out, especially if they're timed. And so anyway, of course I didn't play enough of the game to know how heavily they're going to lean on it, but... The first hour and a half is a really cool opening. It describes kind of how DedSec as this rebel organization fighting on behalf of, you know, the, the, the little guy uh, totally gets squashed as an organization. They get virtually w- wiped out and they have to start from scratch building their numbers again. And it's a really cool opening in terms of the story and in terms of how they present it. But in that opening hour, hour and a half, are also missions that are tutorial missions essentially. And uh, tutorial missions are introducing you to the chief mechanics you're going to be doing for the rest of the game. And so, it was clear to me after at least the first 60 to 90 minutes that the chief gameplay mechanics I was going to be interacting with um, were largely the same mechanics that I disliked from Watch Dogs 2. And I did not want to... I mean, I'm never wanting to just put more negativity out into the world just for the sake of negativity. And I knew that's what it was going to be, and I think unfairly so if I would have reviewed this game, because it's just not my kind of game. You know, I'm not the guy you go to to review Super Mario Bros. Yes, I know that all reviews are subjective, and I think there is some validity. And hopefully what I'm sharing with you now is at least informative in some sense. I mean, there is a sense in which I'm reviewing this game, I suppose because I'm telling you things about the experience that will hopefully inform you uh, to figure out whether or not it's going to be the experience for you, you know. Um, But but even so, I I really try to only review games that uh, I am likely to enjoy and that are, you know, at least in concept, my kind of game, or I think could be if I've never played a game like that before. And so... I, this review was just going to be negative, uh, because I was just going to be, or if it wasn't, I was still going to have a very negative experience and would be fighting an uphill battle to, uh, to, to, uh, talk about the game positively, you know? So what I will say is that in those opening hours, the game looks great. I mean, this is an end of the generation, uh, game. And so that those typically do look great. And it really does. It looks, it looks wonderful, um, and I was just playing it on a regular PlayStation 4 and really felt that it was a step up from even recent Ubisoft games like Assassin's Creed Odyssey and, um, uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint. So, uh, I really liked what it was doing visually, um... But, yeah, just not my kind of gameplay. So there you have it, guys. Hopefully that will at least be a piece of the puzzle for you as you are checking out other review content to figure out if Watch Dogs Legion is for you. Um, I hope for your sake that it is. Uh, but for me, it, uh, it was a pass. Data collection complete. Activating music 1.0. Well, this is the last time I'm going to try to rope you into, in some way, donating or being involved or attending anything that has to do with uh, Extra Life online. (laughs) No, that's actually not true, because I will be uh, promoting um, another CGC team member's live stream, at least one other team member's live stream, uh, next week on the show. Anyway, um, wow, oh my gosh, (sighs) this is a record-breaking year for the CGC Extra Life team. I'm blown away. I'm blown away by this. It was uh, not necessarily getting off to like an unusually slow or weak start, but it did seem to kind of stall out at at one point in terms of the 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 donations that were coming in for me and for and for other team members and uh and so I and I'm thinking to myself, you know, this is the this is 2020. It's the year of COVID, um, and so people are dealing with financial struggles. And I was just I was just preparing myself for this to be, uh, you know, not a great year in terms of fundraising. And now it's turned into a record breaking year for all the years that this is the seventh consecutive year that I've done uh, Extra Life, and um, the uh the 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 sixth consecutive year I think I don't think I I don't think I recruited and led a team the first year I could be wrong but anyway uh in all these years of, of doing this this is the we've already broken the record and and not only that but we've broken it at this point and there is still more fundraising that's going to be happening the rest of the year. There's uh, at least one team member I can think of that's also a member of the team this year who continues each year raising some funds and usually has some that he's putting in, uh, th- that he's getting from donations in December. Because the, the fundraising accounts for Extra Life stay open through the end of the, the calendar year, even though the the main default event is uh, is at this time each year. Um, And uh, Francisco Ruiz is going to have his uh, live stream on the 14th. I'll promote that and get to that in a second. But So we've already broken a record, and I can only imagine that that number is going to continue to go up. So, wow. I'm blown away. I'm blown away. So thank you to everybody who's donated to me or my efforts or or another team member's efforts. Uh, Wow. I I have reached 500 now. Um, That is the first time that I, since I've started doing Milestones... Uh, where I have incentives above and beyond my base goal, my base goal was two hundred, and I reached that you know a week or so ago uh, and then i uh, things seemed to quiet down, but uh, I guess last week on the podcast when I said, "Hey, gosh, I guess it looks like i 'm not going to have to do any of my milestone stunts and my crazy weird stuff, so it 's going to be a pretty easy, peasy live stream. Well, that must have lit a fire under at least a couple of you because <laughs> two or three of you donated after that. And now I'm at 500. Curse my mouth <laughs> for saying anything last week. No, actually, the first reaction, I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. And then immediately after that, no, because, uh, because I have to do, well, all of my milestone crazy stunts, which uh, most of them are not fun. Uh, the, you know, there's one that I will enjoy. I'll, you'll hear about that in a little bit, in a little bit here, but... Um, But I got to do the worst one on the list The worst one on the list Playing Super Mario Brothers Um, And uh, Anyway (laughs) Thank you to all the donors That made that possible For now Let me just play this little bit of audio From a video I posted this week About what you can expect From my 24 hour Extra Life Video Game Marathon This coming Saturday Hey guys, Peter Franson here from christiangeekcentral.com and Spirit Play Productions. I wanted to take a minute and let you guys know kind of what's coming up this Saturday with my big 24 hour video game live stream for uh, Extra Life. That's this Saturday, November 7th. It's starting at 5 a.m. Pacific time, 6 a.m. Arizona time, 24 hours straight of, uh, of video game stuff. Uh, so the, I wanted to kind of go over some notes with you here to give you an idea of the schedule of events, and then just in general what you can expect when you tune in. This is kind of like a stream of second chances for video games, I've I've found. I am kind of challenging myself to almost exclusively play games that I've never played on a live stream before. That's not going to be true across the board, I don't think, but pretty darn close. Um, So games I've never... Played on a live stream before and games that I'm either excited to play again, that I've played through and enjoyed once already in my life, or that I'm giving a second chance to try and enjoy. And in that latter category, I'm actually feeling very optimistic about the games that I have installed and have gotten ready to To play on Saturday. Now, a lot can change during these um, marathons, especially at night, as I'm just going to play whatever works to best keep me alert and engaged. Uh, But the games I have installed and that are ready to go for Saturday include the side scrolling space shooter Habroxia, which you may not have heard of, but it has some upgrading RPG elements that I've I've really kind of glommed onto, and so I've been enjoying that. Uh, I might play some Darkest Dungeon. I'm not sure how well that'll work for a stream because it's going to take some. Focus to strategize and stuff and so if the chat's really active I might just close out and say never mind let me play something a little more brainless Uh, but I've been enjoying that a lot lately Fallout 3 I've been coming back to lately really enjoying that and doing my Terminator run making all my choices as though I'm a Terminator and uh, that's been a lot of fun Far Cry Blood Dragon. I love the Far Cry games, almost all of them, and this is one that I've never really given a good try to. I got back into it, put my feet in the water this week to test it out, and I was like, oh, dang, I might really, really enjoy this. I don't know why I never got around to playing this one before. So that one is undoubtedly going to be part of the live stream at some point. Also, on my bucket list, Star Wars The Force Unleashed. That's a game that's celebrated by many gamers, um, and uh, I have bought that, got it really cheap, for my boys mostly last Christmas, but uh, I've wanted to give it a try myself. I think it might be the kind of gameplay that I enjoy, so I'm planning to get into that. Uh, The Bioshock-inspired game Singularity, which uh, you may have never heard of, but if you're a fan of Bioshock, it's definitely one worth checking out. It uses some cool time travel uh, and time distortion, time manipulation elements, a really neat game. Uh, Pathfinder Kingmaker, the real time with pause D&D-inspired uh, kind of CRPG-style game on the PS4 that I've really been enjoying a lot. Um, let's see here. The Far Cry-inspired Homefront The Revolution which definitely has its flaws, but since it's been patched a number of times since launch, I've found a lot to enjoy in that game, especially right now with Far Cry 6 being delayed uh, and really not having up to this point an urban Far Cry experience. We might get that with Far Cry 6, we'll see, but this is the closest I've experienced of like a more inner city, like an urban type of Far Cry uh, game. So I'm looking forward to getting into that some. I'm coming back to Horizon Zero Dawn to play the DLC since it was on uh, on sale not too long ago, and uh, getting getting my feet wet in that again, I realized, oh yeah, I, I remember why I really liked a lot of the gameplay in this. Have some issues with uh, the, the story a bit here and there, but uh, really enjoyed the, the game, so that's been neat to come back to. Agents of Mayhem was one that I thought I would never come back to, but I was just in the mood about a couple, week or two ago for something that was open world and kind of shooty zappy with some sci-fi elements but not really like thinky and it had kind of just an active arcadey feel and that really seemed to fit the bill now i gotta put up with the humor that i really don't care for in the game uh just kind of hits me like you know like somebody reading from a dictionary but Uh, Yeah, I I really found myself enjoying that, so gonna be getting into that. Mass Effect Andromeda, another game that's been patched a lot, and getting back into it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, now that I'm done with, uh, now that I'm kind of recently been uh, introduced to Star Trek Discovery and really enjoying that, I was in the mood for like a space exploration type of uh, uh, RPG, and... This is, I've really been enjoying the gameplay at least, I'm not hooked into the story really at all, but uh, the the gameplay I'm enjoying more than my first impressions uh, of the game when it came out a couple years ago. Titan Quest, this is just a Diablo clone style of game that uh, will be, I think, really chat conducive. Maybe when chat gets really busy I'll put on Titan Quest, because there's not a lot of like thinking I'll need to do while I play that game, but it's still one that I enjoy. Turn-based RPG, Battle Chasers Night War, another one you might not have heard of, but it's kind of a blend in styles of uh, JRPGs and Western RPGs, and uh, I've been looking for an excuse to really give some time to that. Been coming back to Spider-Man PS4, have not been able to love this game as much as I really want to, but I, about a week ago, reinstalled it, got past some of the dumb stealth story missions with MJ and uh, Miles. That uh, I was like, oh, why do I gotta do this? And so now I'm back into the open world section of the game again, and uh, ready to kind of have fun swinging around and being Spider-Man. So uh, that hopefully will be some fun. Uh, I, I might get out Stargate for the Atari Twenty-six Hundred. That's my favorite game for that system. Uh, it's basically like uh, Defender. It's a precursor to Rezogun, if you're a fan of Rezogun. So anyway, I'll probably get that out maybe at the very beginning of my marathon, you know, just to touch on that and then move on to other things. And then finally, Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance. Really been in the mood, as I seem to be, the, the weeks leading up to Extra Life every year. Uh, really been in the mood for a symphony-like, a Metroidvania that's specifically like Castlevania Symphony of the Night. And uh, this one certainly fits the bill, and I've uh, enjoyed already what I started playing a- of it during my non scary games live stream a week ago. Um, or was that earlier this week? No, it was last week, I think. Anyway, <laughs> so my stream is starting at 5 a.m. Pacific time this Saturday, 6 a.m. Arizona time, with a family friendly block of games for about the first. Three hours. They're all going to be rated T or lower. So if you want to tune in with your kids while they're having cereal and have a little bit of that Saturday morning experience, that doesn't mean they're going to be free of blood and stuff. There are some T-rated games that I'll be playing that have some blood in them, but they're not going to be full-on, you know, gory and crazy like a like an M-rated game. And of course, you can go to esrb.org and enter the title of any game uh, that I play to get more information about why it's rated, what it is. Uh, then let's see. At 8 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Pacific. Uh, 9 a.m. Arizona time, excuse me, I will give my fundraising report and then I will carry out donor requests and crazy milestone stunts, which I did not think I was going to be doing a bunch of my milestones, but then I was shocked that uh, suddenly a couple, or like two or three major donations suddenly got me to to the point of having to do all of my crazy stunts this year. So uh, some donor requests. I'm going to be singing some Miley Cyrus and some Taylor Swift. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to announce all the free content that's been unlocked for the free download day coming up at uh, at spiritblade.com on November 11th. I'm going to show embarrassing clips of a movie I made with a, a college buddy, Mike Tully, who also is the voice of Rand Galvanic in the Spirit Blade audio drama trilogy. I'm going to put on frozen socks and a frozen t-shirt at the same time, and maybe while I'm still wearing them, shoot water up my nose with a turkey baster. I mean, I'm definitely going to shoot water up my nose with a turkey baster, but uh, how close on the tails of the frozen socks and t-shirt remains to be seen. I'm going to see if I can get them as much as possible, just running one right into the other. Um, and then, let's see here, I'm going to fulfill some donor video- game requests, including playing Contra 3 The Alien Wars and Final Fantasy 3 for the Super Nintendo, and let's see here. One I thought, one of my stunts that I thought I was safe from last week is the worst one of all that's been unlocked. I have to beat Super Mario Brothers for the NES by the end of 2020 without using cheat codes. Never done that before. Hate that game. Frustrates me. Represents what I hate about so many games of that era. Um, and I'm going to be recording and publishing that endeavor, beginning with my Extra Life Marathon, as I'm fulfilling donor requests, I'll, I'll spend at least 15 minutes giving my first attempt to that game. And then throughout the rest of the year, I will publish what remains of my attempts until I succeed. Uh, so good gravy. Uh, one unlocked milestone I will enjoy this Saturday, however, is having my wife, Holly, play video games with me during the live stream for 30 minutes. Uh, really looking forward to that. All of that stuff is going to start at 8 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Arizona time this Saturday. Holly's gonna be playing with me for 30 minutes starting at about 10:30 a.m. Pacific a.m. Arizona time. Uh, And then I'm also going to have some fun videos playing during my meal breaks featuring content originally exclusive to patrons. Uh, And let's see, my sister Corinne is going to be joining me for some of the early nighttime hours, and the the patrons of patreon.com slash Productions will be chatting with me for an hour via Discord voice chat uh, starting at 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Arizona time. And then throughout the marathon, of course, I'll be interacting with text chat uh, from those of you watching. Anytime you want to jump into the the chat and say hi or strike up conversation. Now all bets, as I said earlier, are off regarding what's going to happen as we go past midnight. I'm known to get pretty kooky in an effort to stay awake. So what I play, what I say, what I do, that is going to be anybody's guess starting around maybe 11-something, as early as 11-something, but certainly after midnight. But I cannot wait. To do this again this year, and I would love to see you there. For now, I'm going to leave you with some highlights from last year to give you a taste of what might be coming this Saturday. Thanks for watching. Bye bye. Here for the 24-hour Extra Life marathon live stream. Little suspect talking about yourself in the third person. Oh man, that's creepy. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that Benadryl's hanging on. Oh. Uh, it's a little preview of the late night kookiness that's gonna be coming in about <laughs> 16 hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. ah. Oh, that's really intense. Mm. Okay, let's do the other one, right? Uh, let's do the other one. It reminds me of like a really bad childhood swimming experience. Good. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. I should have applied a rating to this. What is this? Is this PG-13 or R? Ah, it's rated Ah! Liberate tu teme! me. Right. Uh, frozen solid T-shirt. So this thing is looking pretty, pretty solid. I, I need to get it flexible first. Ah. Oh jeez. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, oh my gosh Oh my gosh Ooh, I gotta heal. See, I can't be singing German stuff when I'm getting shot at by people. I'm already thinking about tomorrow. Tomorrow's my recovery day. I will limp on back into here, fire up some Jack Ryan. Season two on Amazon, with all my goodies. Yeah. You are the loudest eater. You know what? Do you guys hear him chewing? Yes, they've been here. <laughs> I gotta look and see what the, <laughs> <I haven't... laughs> I'm, I'm working on, I got a burp that needs to work stuff out. Okay. <laughs> Mint fudge enrobed cookies. I've been dreaming about these. Say it
1: with a smile and hold it up to the camera.
0: Kroger, mint fudge enrobed cookies. I Cookie. see it cookies. cookies, Kroger, 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 <laughs> Kroger, mint fudge enrobed cookies. That was pretty good. Oh, it's still not up there. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? But the same um, time zone oh, as Beijing? Oh, jeez, what? Oh my gosh, Corinne touched me. Push the button. It does nothing. I must need a quest to get through here. Unlock. It's locked and can only be opened with the popper key. Come on, don't leave me hanging at this loading screen. Don't leave me hanging. With my Kroger Mint Fudge robed Cookies. Better than a Girl Scout in every way. I'm getting a lot, a lot of good marking done. I'm, I excel in marking. I get my highest marks in marking. In fact, my name is Mark. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the sweet spot of this game. This is what I love. And it's got the crunchy boots. Come on, now. Those crunchy boots... Those Foley sounds, come on now, come on now with the Foley sounds. Break it down with the Foley sounds. Foley sounds. Foley sounds. Foley. Sounds. Foley. Foley. I'm looking at the chat, and you probably, if you're watching and looking at the chat, see the same thing I do. But it's got my username at the bottom, and then below that says, SAY SOMETHING, you know? And I never type in the chat, because I'm blabbing here. But when I glance over the chat, my, for one reason or another, my eye gravitates towards SAY SOMETHING. And I'm like, yeah, that's right, you've got to SAY SOMETHING, Peter, that's how you stay awake. That's how you stay awake at this point, you SAY SOMETHING, just SOMETHING. Like customize or appearance tutorial or visual palette one. You just say something. Alright? We gotta say something. And that's saying something. Climb every mountain for every stream Follow every rainbow Further. (laughs) I tried to say something there, it did not work out. The caffeine's kicking in, I feel it now. I feel it now. Because... it's making me want to do things, but my brain isn't working. And so, I'm just doing, I'm wanting to do things without any direction given by the brain, which has gone to sleep about 45 minutes ago. But the body's moving. The mouth is moving, the fingers are doing. Okay. But if I can ride this, if I can ride this, then I'll have the power. Hang on to this for a little while. Hang on to this. Load, Roger, Cataract. Load. Me likey the Ubisoft gamey. Me likey. <laughs> me likey, you be softy, gamey. You be soft. Thank you, you be soft. <laughs> Thank you, you be. You be. You be so good to me. <laughs> and I be so good for you. We be good together. Nathan Norman says good night sweet prince a flight of angels sing thee to thy sleep thank you very sweet of you Um, yeah this has been um, another really fantastic year Uh, as like fried as I am and as like as ready as I am to go and just totally collapse I'm also all the more ready to do this again next year love you guys have a great Have a great day. (laughs) I'll see you later. And as a reminder, guys, uh, if... um If you have not donated yet, there are other team members on the Christian Geek Central Extra Life team who have uh, raised either no money yet or they have not reached the default suggested goal of $100. And it would just be so encouraging, I know, for them to uh, get some donations at this point. So please consider following the link in the show notes, going to our team page and just picking somebody on the team that's uh, raised uh, less than a hundred dollars and and please donate toward their efforts Um, this is a year uh, again where I think especially because of the concerns of COVID there there's more uh, procedural stuff going on in hospitals and anytime you increase procedures you increase costs and so the expenses required to uh, help these families and kids that uh, that need these urgent medical procedures the expenses are are higher than ever so uh anyway um yeah uh, one more reminder again my live stream november 7th it starts at 5 a.m pacific time goes for 24 hours at 6 a.m arizona time if you're curious uh and that's at christian geek com and youtube.com slash christian geek central and now i want to mention uh francisco ruiz Another Christian Geek Central Extra Life team member is doing a 12-hour live stream on November 14th. That's going to start at 10 a.m. Let's see. I don't have a time zone here, but I'm almost positive he's Pacific Time because he's either in Washington or Oregon, and I'm pretty sure those are on Pacific Time. Anyway, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., um, correct me if that's if that's not the case uh, in Pacific if it's not Pacific time, Francisco, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Saturday, November 14th. So that's just the next Saturday after mine, and that's over at Twitch.tv slash Retro Rewind Pod. Twitch.tv slash Retro Rewind Pod. Uh, this week at YouTube.com slash Christian Geek Central, I posted the video version of the last installment of our In Search of Truth series, going through the Book of Philippians with the title "Reacting to Corrupt Christian Leaders." I posted uh the extra life extra life final stretch fundraising update which is now out of date uh, and I posted the video version of uh, what you just heard in the audio of what to expect uh, on my uh, 24-hour marathon. And the, f- the Friday of the week, this goes up. I'm going to see if I can get it up Thursday night. I'm recording this on a Thursday. So I don't know if this will go up Thursday or Friday. But Friday, uh, Bookshelf Tour, uh, the video, that should uh, be going up. And then later, sometime on Friday, I plan to post a behind-the-scenes look at my setup at the eve before my my marathon. So you can keep an eye out for that if you would like. And while you're over there, if you want to like, share, subscribe, click that notification bell or anything else you want to do to spread this content around uh, or stay connected to it at youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central, I would be grateful for that. Uh, regarding Christian Geekly News highlights from our Twitter feed at christian underscore geek, Quiet week this week. Uh, in the United States, we have the presidential elections and uh, other, all kinds of things being voted on. But, of course, the presidential election is the big ticket thing. And so I think because of that, news has been pretty sparse in the geek world. People are kind of staying out of the way. Uh, especially as I record this, they're still figuring out who's going to be the next freaking president. So <laughs> we're all waiting for them to get that sorted out. Uh, but anyway, I, I did tweet out. Not, I, usually I just use my Twitter account to retweet. Um, kind of news items that I think are relevant to Christian geeks about, uh, stuff that's being, uh, entertainment that's being produced, uh, you know, in terms of books, games, movies, stuff like that, uh, either by Christians for uh, a mainstream audience or by Christians for a Christian audience. But that's usually what I use that for. Uh, I don't, I certainly don't post about like what I had for breakfast and crap like that, that I would personally have no interest in. Um, and, and I certainly don't get political. Um, But the closest I came to getting political was this week when I uh, tweeted out uh, Christian geeks in the U.S. Let's do the unexpected this election day and all week by being the least insecure, the least abrasive, and the least angry. Making peace online and in person, trusting God, no matter who wins the election 2020. Um, And then I referenced Matthew 5, 9. In which Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Um, if we want to be known as the children of God, uh, then we ought to be seeking how to uh, have peace wherever we can in our interactions with each other. And uh, something that's I've just been reminded of uh, recently with all this stuff is that uh, just because you're in a room with other Christians doesn't mean you're all... Supporting the same political candidates doesn't mean you all have the same view on uh, masks and wearing them or not wearing them. Uh, It doesn't mean you have the same view on a number of things that you might be used to thinking Christians around you all have the same view on. Um, I think especially in the Internet world, there's this wide audience. There's a wide... it's everybody. It's everybody that has access to the Internet. Um, All kinds of views are presented. And so that's not to say that you can't share your view but uh, the tone we use, um, the the emotions and attitude behind the things we choose to say, which can be detected in the, the things that we say um, more than we realize, all of those things come into play and, and are good to be aware of so that we can, even as we are wanting to share truth or maybe tactically choosing a moment to not say anything, we are being peacemakers, not, uh, not um, compromising on speaking truth when it uh is needed to be said which is not at all times um but uh but but being being peacemakers as we do that so Anyway, I put that out there for your consideration. That's obviously longer than the tweet that I put out. But uh, Anyway, if you want to stay up to date on the notable news and events from the wider world of Christian geekery, I want to invite you to again to follow Christian Geek Central on Twitter at Christian underscore geek. This week at patreon.com slash Spirit Blade Productions, I posted the Pater's Brain monthly podcast, and uh, which is both in audio and video format for patrons of different tiers. Uh, and this one's for the month of October, just covering all the different things going on behind the scenes that I was thinking about or wrestling with uh as i spin plates uh trying to keep christian geek central and spirit Blade productions going um topics in that uh episode included um personal resolutions regarding instagram how i'm planning on using instagram how i'm potentially planning to use twitch in the future and uh my thoughts about the christian geek news radar as a segment and uh You know, I've had different feelings about whether or not that would even continue as a monthly thing, Um, and so I talk about kind of where I'm sitting at with that and with all those things these days. I talk about the sexual allegations that uh, have been brought against Ravi Zacharias after his passing, and uh, just kind of like um, what I'm thinking about that, both personally as someone who has been impacted very positively by the work of uh, Ravi Zacharias, and then also as um a content creator who has referred people to if not ravi zacharias then the ministry bearing his name rzim uh a a number of times in my content and so just kind of like figuring out okay well uh how do i feel about this and when's the right time for me to say something so i kind of share some of my uh, inner thoughts uh that i have right now as i haven't really said much publicly on that topic um Let's see here. Uh, (laughs) I talk about a situation in which I'm uh, waiting for a review code and trying not to pull the trigger on buying the game too early when I might still get a review code. That was... That was... That was a bit agonizing. Um, I kind of talk about a potential new Let's Roleplay series that will come after my Skyrim, The Rise of Asked Let's Roleplay series. Uh, I talk about potential content cuts for Christian Geek Central and then a little bit more about Instagram. And then finally, I uh, wrapped up by talking about personal ways lately that I have been blessed as a result of doing the work that I do. Blessed through People and situations that uh, would not be true and happening in my life uh, if not for the work that I'm doing. So all of that I uh, share with uh, with patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Spirit Productions. I also posted uh, this week about the Extra Life All Patrons Discord Hangout. I'm going to be in the Insider Voice Chat channel of our Discord server during my 24 hour marathon this Saturday. And that'll be from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Arizona time. All patrons are invited to jump on and have a live audio chat with me during this time. And if you're not a patron and you hear this in time, you can still just jump on for a buck and be a part of that uh, of that live audio chat with me, if you would like. Um, I put up a link. Uh, so you could figure out what, you know, Pacific time is right now in relation to your own time Um, please note in case it's not clear your voice will be recorded and broadcast as a part of my live stream So people watching the live stream, they will hear you They will hear your voice anything that you say as you uh, hang out and talk with me And then of course I put those up in video format, uh, on the on the channel later Later on throughout the year. So anyway, yeah, that's gonna be again 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time this Saturday, November seventh, during my twenty-four hour live stream, it's the Insider Voice Chat channel on our Discord server, which you can uh, get your get connected to uh, when you sign up on uh, on our Patreon. So, anyway, yeah, looking forward to sharing that fun experience with any patrons that uh, that are available and choose to show up for that. I also posted episode sixteen of Skyrim: The Rise of Elder Elderast with the title "A Dark Truth." Revealed A shameful secret of the mage's college is unearthed by Eldorast as he descends into the depths of Labyrinthian to acquire the fabled Staff of Magnus. But a ghostly voice from the past, possessing the power to drain magical energies, poses the most dangerous threat yet to the greatest wizard in the world." So that's uh, available now to uh, all patrons, uh, in addition to all of the other episodes, 15+, plus that came before that one. Um, The November Discord voice chat is coming up this Monday. For those at the $5 tier and higher uh, at Patreon, I'll be in the Underground Hangout voice chat channel that is different from the insider uh, voice chat channel that I will be in during the during the marathon uh, the monthly one is in the underground hangout voice channel from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. pacific time this coming Monday on the 9th um, and I would love to connect with uh, those patrons I'm also going to be streaming the video of the hangout live for those of the five dollar uh, and higher tiers although I'm not going to be looking at the chat window uh, and as always please be aware audio of our hangout is going to be incorporated into the stream which will be archived for patrons of all support tiers once it's over, and um, may also be made public a little, at a later date. So just a little heads up that I always put out there for for you guys thinking about doing that. As was the case last year, November's hangout is also a sort of recovery hangout for me, as it's going to be only about 36 hours after I complete my Extra Life marathon. Um, so that was fun, kind of like just hanging out, relaxing, recovering, and a debriefing last year, so I anticipate that I'll do that this year, telling you guys how I feel th- Thought that the, uh, the the marathon went from my perspective And then also just chatting about whatever is on your mind So that's for patrons at the $5 tier and higher And then uh, for all patrons this coming Wednesday the 11th is the franson men 12 hour live stream you might have noticed in my description for my marathon this year that i never mentioned that my boys are going to be joining me which traditionally they have in uh, all of my marathons in the past except for maybe the first one i can't remember there was maybe one or two years at the beginning where they they didn't show up but uh, that's been a bit of a tradition well that tradition breaks now because asher and titus franson are on the christian geek central extra life team this year they're doing their own live stream Um, and that is not going to be public that is uh, just going to be for paid and for the people that they have sent uh, support emails and letters to, I'm not quite ready for my boys to face the uh, horrid dark world. Of public YouTube comments <laughs> and random people that might jump into the chat, but I figure that uh, the family and friends that they are sending emails and stuff to, and uh, and the patrons that are putting any amount of money uh, down for me, uh, are very likely to be kind in how they might treat them if they jump into the chat. So, and I'll be uh, there at the, uh, that's going to be Wednesday, uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific. And uh, each boy is going to be on for six hours. So Titus is going to be on. That's my youngest. Um, He's going to be on uh, from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then Asher is going to be on from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. Pacific. And I will jump on. I will be visible um, for at least a little bit. Uh, because fundraising reached the right amount for me to be on and play a video game with Asher for a little bit of his live stream if they hit some of their, um, some of their additional goals beyond their base goal then I'll be on for a game with Titus too but I'll be there uh, just off camera you can imagine that I'm just inches off screen uh, acting as silent producer throughout the day as they'll be live streaming from my office using my setup and stuff like that and I'll be getting a little bit of work done and, and also probably just kind of chilling out and playing video games while I make sure that things don't fall apart for them <laughs> or that they don't fall apart uh live, you know, <laughs> while people are watching. That's an interesting thing as a parent to figure out and to navigate. It's like, okay, here they go. They're just gonna be untethered and live and all right. We'll see how this goes. Anyway, um so yeah, uh that's going on this coming Wednesday. Uh, November eleventh, eight a.m. to eight p.m. Pacific time, and I will post an embed an an embed of that video for patrons of any tier over at patreon.com slash spiritblade production So you can keep an eye out for that there. Uh let's see, what else what else? Um yeah, just a reminder that for like just a dollar you can jump on. You can get access to that live stream. You can join me for the 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 hour long Discord hangout during my extra life live stream. Um, there's just a time you can get Spirit Blade Special Edition, the song bundle, the making of hours and hours of content there, all the Skyrim Rise of Elder Ass stuff, years of my monthly Pater's Brain podcast episodes taking you behind the scenes of all the ups and Downs of everything that I'm doing here, um, and the, uh, the the bonus monthly archived one-hour live stream chatting with patrons, um, and just a bunch of other miscellaneous exclusive content. So November right now, just this just seems like a nexus of things. So if you wanted to jump on for just a month with your one dollar, and then peace out after that, you would get a ton of stuff this month. So uh, and it would uh, really make an appreciated difference to me as uh, as I'm trying to keep. All my efforts going and growing into the future uh, So I hope that you will consider that And at 30 patrons, of which we are five away We're going to have a pizza with an asterisk party On Discord This mythical activity that I don't know Exactly what it's going to look like But we're going to find out together After we get five more patrons And I want to say again that I'm so grateful For the support of all of my Spirit Blade insiders Who make it possible for me to continue in this work Thank you guys so much For all of you, for more info Patreon.com slash Spirit Productions The truth will set you free. Truth is that which corresponds to fact or reality. To assert that truth is not absolute is a self-defeating proposition. Lots of things are possible, but our beliefs should reflect the best explanation of the available evidence. I'm no expert, but the information is out there. You'd be amazed what you can learn if you spend some time in search of truth. The truth will set you free. Right now I'm gonna to attempt to examine the Bible and dissect some of the spiritual or the churchy language, excuse me, we can easily take for granted. This is gonna be trickier than I thought maybe digging into history and languages as I'm able to try and get at the heart of the text so that hopefully you and I can see and apply at least some of what God has for us in these words today. Now, I'm not formally trained in scripture. I'm just a guy using resources and a questioning mind to try and get at the truth. That's something that we can all do, so I hope that you will be doing that with me. If you are watching the video version of this, you'll notice I'm recording things a little bit differently. I'm using my phone because my regular camera is set up just the way I want it, along with some other things for my big Extra Life marathon this weekend. and I didn't want to move any of those things around, so I'm approaching this a little bit differently. I appreciate your patience with the, the the changes this time around. But anyway, we are continuing through the book of Philippians, and we've arrived at chapter one, verses 18. I'm going to say 18b through verse 20 in the ESV. That reads, "Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out." for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that i will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now as always christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death all right so in the previous verses paul described how this dip, his difficult circumstances as a prisoner had actually been used to spread the gospel in some really powerful ways that we might not expect, and he likewise rejoiced that the gospel was being proclaimed even though it was being proclaimed by some Christians with corrupt motivations. He continues here with more reasons that he's rejoicing. Verse 18b, he says, yes, I will rejoice. I want to pause on that word for just a second. I think I mentioned this in a previous week, but I want to mention this again. The Greek word for rejoice here can be this exuberant celebration or it can be a calm happiness. But it does have an emotional quality to it. Despite the terrible circumstances that Paul was in, he was actually experiencing very positive emotions. Now, they were likely mixed in with negative emotions too, but I think this positive aspect of his emotional state is really worth noticing and trying to understand better. How was he able to, as he says, rejoice? The more I think that we understand about Paul's rejoicing, the more we can learn to experience the same kind of rejoicing despite circumstances in our own lives, uh, I think when we see in the Psalms sometimes expressions or perspectives that just seem alien to us, like are they living on another planet? Are they not living in the world that I'm living in? How can they have this perspective? It seems so weird. Uh, I, I think that can be a, a, a kind of a, a catalyst for us to say, instead of just stopping there and saying they're weird, I don't get how they can have that perspective. To say, okay. What am I not understanding about this person? that I can understand better about the writer in this instance so that I can experience what they're experiencing. And so that's what is brought to mind for me when I see Paul talking about rejoicing and the reasons he has to rejoice. I think it's a great reason to study this man and his perspective. Looking at verse 19, he says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. His rejoicing was fueled by specific truths. Specifically here, he knew that through the prayers of the Philippian Christians and the help of the Holy Spirit, he was going to experience deliverance, he says. Uh, the fact that prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit are paired together by Paul, I don't think is arbitrary. For whatever reason, God often chooses to act in response to our prayers. He wants us to partner with his activity in that way. Um, And so Paul seems to be anticipating how the Holy Spirit would act in response to the prayers of the Philippians. Now, there's some question among scholars regarding what Paul means by the word deliverance. He says he knows that things would turn out for his deliverance. But while he does express confidence in his release from prison in verse 25 coming up and later again in 2.24, the immediate context suggests a view possibly toward deliverance after death, standing justified before God. Take a look at verses 21 and 22 again uh, for, I think, a a possible um, uh, implication of that. While not put forth in the study resources I have, I'm inclined toward actually a third view in which Paul may have been referring to both kinds of deliverance, since Hebrew writing often intended to express multiple layers of meaning at once. So I think that could be what's going on here. Uh, Verse 20 again is, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul expresses such amazing submission to God here. His expectation and hope is that he will not be ashamed either before Roman authorities, before God, or perhaps both, he intends, maybe. His expectation is, uh, of not being ashamed is also not based on his own presumed ability to honor Christ. He simply says that Christ will be honored in his body. Um, speaking in the previous verses about the prayers of the Philippians and the help of the Holy Spirit, as acting agents in his situation. So he's a willing tool, even a willing sacrifice, presenting his life as a vessel for God's purposes, um, trusting that God will carry out his purposes one way or the other regardless of his own uh, abilities, uh, whether uh, regardless of Paul's own abilities. Um, so, and, and he's open to that being achieved by his continued living or being achieved through his death. He's content in either case And as we look at the verses that follow next time, we'll better understand why he's content with either of those scenarios. But for now, what might we say is in all of this specifically for Christian geeks that we can benefit from? Um, A defining characteristic of geeks, I think, is that we take an unusual amount of enjoyment uh, from certain things, or we take enjoyment from things that others typically do not that can almost become, I think, a badge of honor for us about what we really geek out about. We're this kind of geek, we're that kind of geek. And, you know, it kind of sets us apart from others. And we can like that. We can like that it, that it gives us that sense of identity. Um, without realizing it, we can find our sense of identity in being a geek. And so finding enjoyment then in entertainment can naturally become an unchallenged aspect of who we are in our own minds. Now, to be clear, as I've said many times, there's nothing wrong with finding enjoyment in entertainment. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But if that becomes a part of our identity, then we will prioritize and depend on fleeting entertainment experiences to bring us fulfillment in life, uh, which runs counter to how God made and desires us to experience fulfillment we are intended to experience ongoing joy and this rejoicing in life that Paul is talking about that's not only independent of enjoyable circumstances, but is actually immune to negative circumstances. And so Paul's example, I think, is extremely valuable for us uh, to understand more deeply if we can so that we can experience rejoicing even in difficult situations as Paul did. Uh, In these these verses, Paul rejoices because of some key realities that he's keeping in mind that I think are valuable for us as well if we want to live in this mode of rejoicing that Paul is in. The first of those realities is that spiritual things are very real and have tangible effects. Specifically, the prayers of believers serve as a sort of catalyst for the Holy Spirit to take action in the world and in our lives. Uh, The second uh, uh, key truth here is there is deliverance available for believers, both as a real possibility in this life, regardless of what our circumstances look like, and as a guarantee at the end of this life. God is the deliverer and he will not be thwarted. If he intends to deliver us in this life, nothing's going to get in his way if that's his purpose. And if it's not, uh, you know then then his purposes will still be carried out in giving us ultimate deliverance that will um, in the end, uh, or on into in, into eternity, I should say, make all that we're experiencing now in an agonizingly slow manner be just a little blip on the radar. Um, the third truth is that negative circumstances are used for God's purposes and are worth the cost to us. That's Paul's perspective here. Difficult situations are made much worse when we see them as being without purpose. But for those who love God, this is Romans 8.28 in the ESV, for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We may not know what that purpose is. We may still cry out, and I think there's room in our relationship with God, and that's still God honoring for us to cry out, God, why? Why are you allowing this to happen? But as the psalmists do, after crying out, why, why, uh, almost every time at the end they say, yet you are God, I will trust you. You are good. So we may not know the reasons, but we can trust that God has good reasons for allowing uh, things to happen. Um, And uh, the fourth key truth here uh, is that regardless of our circumstances, we are not destined for shameful defeat, but for a celebrated victory, uh, as Jesus is going to be glorified through us, whether we live or die or whatever else may happen. We are not up to the task of honoring Christ as he deserves, and yet God will use us to turn eyes to Jesus independent of our shortcomings, sometimes even because of and in the midst of our shortcomings. Even right now, we are guaranteed instruments for an eternal celebration of God. Uh, So yes, entertainment can be a lot of fun, but the truths are, of who we are and what God is doing through us, give us a reason to be thankful and celebrate even when those other joys in life fade away.
2: Incoming transmission. Hey, Peter, John Wilkerson here, and it's been a while since I've sent you some feedback. And I thought I'd let you know that I am very happy to have been the one that got you to the $500 mark for your Extra Life live stream. So I hope you'll think of me when you're playing Super Mario Brothers. Now, with that, I have a little bit of a song to celebrate this momentous occasion oh pater boy the princess the princess is calling from stage to stage and down the pipes you go don't you forget to get Some flower power It's you, it's you That plays and I Watch your live stream Okay, not completely on key Some bad notes in there A little little sour here and there But uh, I think you get the point Congratulations on reaching the $500 level of your extra life fundraising. I know that you'll do well in your
0: 24 hours. God bless. Bye. I will think of you, John. I'll think of you with, with gratitude and it's mixed feelings, John, mixed feelings, gratitude and mm, just a touch of bitterness. Mm, No, it's faux bitterness, but my gosh, Uh, It's definitely going to be bitter. It's going to be a bitter experience Uh, Not so much during the extra life marathon I'm probably only going to spend about 15 minutes giving my first shot and seeing how far I get But it's going to be all the times after that when i'm not live but I sit down I fire up my streaming my recording software to play freaking super mario brothers. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy (laughs) the end result and I hope we can pull it off by the end of 2020. Uh, I don't know exactly how often I'm going to be giving time to that on a weekly or daily basis or whatever. I mean, I, 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 do, I can't have it cut into my work time, significantly at least. Um, and if I let it cut too much into my playtime, the, the time that is for me to recharge <laughs> and recover from work days or whatever... Uh, then that's going to make for a, a very unhappy pater if it cuts into that too much. So I, I, it is going to be a finite amount of time that I give to this. And I'm just assuming that I can make it happen before the end of 2020. Uh, I'm going to give it my best shot. I really am going to try and make that happen. Um, dang it. It's not going to be pleasant, though. Anyway, um, so thank you. John, and uh, everyone who donated to get me there. I'll thank all of you by name during my live stream on Saturday. But uh, for now, just a, just a broad thank you to all of you who, uh, who made that happen. Um, okay, so this week, I also heard from Jorbus George, who wrote me an email saying, Hi, sir. I hope you're doing great. Sir, as usual, I'm having a doubt. Sir, I wanted to see the movie Pokemon Detective Pikachu, but one of my friends told me that Pokemon's creator has admitted that they are against God, Jesus Christ. So do you think that there's a fact in his statement? I don't know how to thank you for all these help, uh, all this help you are doing for me. Once again, thank you, sir. Um i 'm going to assume that uh, that maybe there's like a that, that's a, maybe English is a second language thing i 'm not used to people calling me sir that much I'm, so i 'm assuming maybe there 's like an English as a second language thing going you certainly don 't have to call me sir please don 't feel like you have to call me Sir. I appreciate your desire to, to just respect and, and honor me in that way though um, thank you for the question uh, i don 't know enough about the creators involved to say if they are truly against Jesus that was the first I'd heard of anything about that uh, but I do think that we as Christians have the freedom to enjoy Enjoy things created by those who are against god for example paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 8 that we have the freedom even to eat meat that was previously sacrificed to a false god as long as doing so does not cause another christian to sin so if you want to watch detective pikachu you know by yourself or at least without any christians who would be offended by it Um, then I think you have the freedom to do that if it will not cause you to turn away from obedience to Christ. Uh, I hope that's helpful. Again, I recommend 1 Corinthians 8. Give that a a thoughtful, prayerful read. um, And please let me know if I can be of any further help on that issue or anything else. Um, On youtube.com slash Christian Geek Central, under the video, Reacting to Corrupt Christian Leaders, uh, Melissa Leonetti. Uh, asked, how come the majority of churches today don't do what the apostles did? I was wondering because Jesus said these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They, oh, excuse me, believe, uh, missing a period there. In my name they shall cast out devils, speak in new tongues, take up the serpent, and if they drink any deadly thing, nothing shall hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I was just wondering, um... So yeah, my first uh, response was good question. Let's start by identifying the specific passage and go from there. So I asked Melissa to to give me the book chapter and verse that uh, that she's looking at. She was looking at oh, let's see here. Oh, I gotta go pick up my son. Okay, so I better not. Sp- this is a bit of a this is a bit of a beast of a thing. Uh, so <laughs> let me take a quick break. Uh, let me first just um, read actually uh, Mark sixteen seventeen through eighteen from the ESV. Uh, and then I'll get into my response after I, uh, have an edit point picking up my son. Um, it says, and, uh, she, and she, uh, I, I didn't know if she was paraphrasing or not. She was pretty much quoting it, uh, in the ESV, Mark 16, 17 through 18 says, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So again, thank you for, for uh, providing that uh, that reference, Melissa. Um, these verses do not seem limited to the disciples Jesus was talking to, but also seem to apply to those who would come to believe because of them. So I think that's maybe where your question's coming from. But it's hard to know how far reaching into the future Jesus intended for these words to be applied. Was he also referring to the converts of converts of converts, etc., 500 years into the future? The text isn't specific enough to say... Also, Jesus' words do not necessarily indicate that these signs would accompany every believer he was talking about, or even the majority, just that they would be present among them to some unspecified degree. Now, related to this issue, well, there's actually one issue I didn't even mention in my reply to Melissa that might be an elephant in the room, and that is that there is some question about these particular verses and whether or not... Uh, they were in the original manuscripts or if they were a later edition. So I'm setting that aside. And just for the sake of, uh, this kind of argument, I'm saying, okay, these are legit. Um, so setting that aside related to this issue is the question of whether or not miracles still happen today and the definition and purpose of miracles, A defining characteristic of most miracles in the Bible is that they're not merely done to bring about their effect, such as healing a person or feeding a crowd, but are done to authenticate an accompanying message. The teaching of Jesus and the apostles was new revelation from God, and so miracles were used to authenticate these new messages. And this is even suggested as the purpose of these signs, if you read a little further in Mark 16, verse 20. And so it makes sense to me that when God is not revealing new truths to humanity through appointed messengers, there would not be near the same need for frequent miracles. So to answer your question, I think the reason most churches today do not have people performing these miraculous signs is because there is no new revelation that God wants to authenticate. But as I said, different Christian thinkers have uh, different views on this topic, so I hope that's helpful in at least... Maybe getting you started and thinking about uh, how you uh, are going to ultimately view this uh, this passage all right that's it for now feedback feedback give me your thoughts guys strike up some chat on our forums at christian dot leave a comment at youtube.com slash christian geek central or patreon.com slash spirit productions you type it i read it might even share it on the show unless you tell me not to or want to be anonymous that's fine too you can also email me a text or audio message at p-a-e-t-e-r at spiritblade.com i would love to hear from you guys anytime and most anyway And if you would like some help finding a good church in your area, I would love to help you do that if I can. Uh, Online resources and communities are a good supplement, but by nature they can't speak to your particular situation like relationships in a local church can. The context for almost everything in the New Testament assumes that we are serving and building purposeful relationships in a local church. So whether you're in a church that lacks Bible-based intentionality or not attending any church at all, if I can help you get connected to an authentic, Compassionate Bible-oriented church I would love to do that You can email me again At p-a-e-t-e-r At spiritblade.com And we can try to look at Some websites of churches In your area together Oh wait, no That's the old Weekly waistline noises I gotta do (laughs) What the crap And now it's time For my geek week What I've done What I have planned This week has been A whole lot of Extra life prep Uh, I have, it's, it's weird, you know, I I might've mentioned this on the show last week, but when I get this close to extra life, especially the week leading up to it, as this has been, I'm kind of afraid to play games that I'm planning on playing during extra life. Uh, (laughs) and it's not as much of an option to play other games because I, I usually am installing these games. And, you know, so at the start of the week, I'm figuring out, okay, what can I fit on my PS4? How many games can I fit on there so I can have as many games that I'll want to play during Extra Life as possible? And once I get them all installed on there to test out the capacity, then I'm kind of like... I don't want to uninstall them and, and install something temporarily. It can be a bit of a pain, especially if it's a downloaded game, which a lot of my games are these days. In fact, most of my games are uh, are downloaded games. Um, so anyway, uh, I haven't been playing a ton of video games this week. I did settle on Darkest Dungeon for a little while, for maybe a 48-hour period. I was telling myself, no, you're not going to play Darkest Dungeon during the, the 24-hour livestream because I played that some during... The non-scary Halloween uh, live stream that I did last week Which is not the reason I mean, I did say that uh, it's not across the board That I'll be playing games I've never played on a live stream before I was originally planning on it And now I think I might again But that prospect was put into serious doubt During the last live stream When I realized, chatting it up with you guys That the tactics in Darkest Dungeon are just Just deep enough That I'm like, "I I can't think about this And be successful in this game and keep track of chat at the same time. It was a combination of the tactics being just deep enough and the chat being just active enough. I feel like with the last year or so, um, chat has been getting, getting more and more active uh, and and that's, a, that's a great problem to have when I can't keep track, when I have trouble keeping track and I'm missing things in the chat. So more and more, if you guys uh, show up to uh, chat uh, with me during a live stream and you want me to actually see, read, or particularly respond to what you've read, you got to at me. you got to at Christian Geek Central in your message so that it at least has a chance of kind of getting my attention. We're getting, we're getting to that point now, which uh, in some ways I, I mourn, but in other ways I think is really cool because that means viewership and interaction is up and that. That's what I would really love to see uh, continue to happen for Christian Geek Central. And, you know, we we can solve those kinds of issues by, uh, you know, I can figure out recruiting moderators and stuff like that. So, uh, but it does look like we're in this little bit of a transition point here where it's pre-moderator, um, but still uh, it can, can get, get pretty active there. Uh, so anyway, um, all that to say, Darkest Dungeon might not be something that I play on the live stream for extra life. So I've given myself permission, especially since it doesn't take up much space on my uh, disk drive at all, or my hard drive, whatever you want to call it. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I played it a bunch last night in particular. And I think that because I have the settings on so that my guys can out level dungeons by three levels or something like that, in the base game, with all the changes they made in during early access, some of which people didn't like, which is why they left in the options to kind of change so many different settings, because uh, people would like to switch it back to how they liked it at a certain part of early access. Anyway, um, one of those changes is that uh, in the base game, the or the default settings, once your characters get like one or two levels above a dungeon, it's like they're too good for it. You know, they, they, they're too prideful or something. They won't go to that dungeon anymore. And I'm like, that does not make any sense to me from a story standpoint. <laughs> and I certainly don't like it mechanically. So I immediately changed that setting. And so yeah, I, I'm basically taking my guys through lower level dungeons and getting all those cool, creepy aesthetics that I wanted to get from Darkest Dungeons so much, but without the punishing difficulty that I didn't want to get. That, that's that's kind of like the rare bird that I really would like to see more of. In gaming, with with uh, all the Souls-like games that are coming out, you can pretty much be guaranteed that any time a game is like dark medieval fantasy, it's like really almost Lovecraftian and it's disturbing aesthetics, it's also going to be punishingly difficult. And I'm like, can we not have these worlds, these cool dark uh, Lovecraftian or otherwise edgy dark worlds and not have the difficulty go along with it? Uh, That's why I like a game like Shadow Hearts so much, which I shared during my uh, non-scary horror games livestream, because it has those really dark aesthetics, but it doesn't have the punishing difficulty. So anyway, I'm thrilled that because of the settings options included in Darkest Dungeon, and you don't really hear about this in reviews. I I watched a ton of reviews and really did not get a sense from almost any of them of the options that you had for manipulating difficulty to your liking in this game, and so if you 've been put off from darkest dungeon because you 're like, "Ah, that sounds too punishing, it sounds terrible. You can totally adjust settings in there yes you're still going to have party members die, but the permanent upgrade things that you're doing are for the are for the town, uh and you get a a, a constant like influx of new heroes in the wagon every week that you can recruit for free... And some of them you can use and abuse just to take them to a dungeon to make time pass so that the ca- the characters you really care about can spend time recovering back in town. And you can still pick up some trinkets and gold and stuff. It's not a completely useless run. You get those guys, those, those noobs, back to and with whatever gold they can carry, and then they're totally destroyed emotionally because of all they've experienced. But you're not going to bother to give them psychiatric treatment and pay for all that. No, no, no. You, you got your prime guys that you're paying for their medical care and their psychiatric care. <laughs> <laughs> but these other the ones that, that are, you know, commonly called suicide squads by fans of the game. You know, you just use them and then you get rid of them. Um, so anyway, yeah, they're definitely... And, and then, like, if you do lose one of your Prime guys, if you've been upgrading your training centers, your blacksmith, and all the other things, then it's just a matter of recruiting somebody, taking them through maybe one or two dungeons, but maybe first outfitting them big time with a bunch of awesome equipment and stuff. So... Uh, And that hasn't even happened to me yet. I've been able to play conservatively enough that that's not really been... I've not really come close to that. So, yeah, I'm really liking uh, Darkest Dungeon these days. And and I was thinking that maybe I could play that one during Extra Life if I'm only playing the low-level dungeons. And there are still, like, some... uh, I'll call them achievements. They're not really Xbox achievements or PlayStation trophies. There are these in-game kind of boxes that you can check that are kind of like you know just kind of like things that you can do they're just built into the game achievements boxes that you can check you know go and defeat this special boss or whatever so uh and there are some low level things that i haven't boxes that i haven't checked yet so i i might uh, i might explore that uh, as an option because the tactics can be lighter there um but even so though once i did one low level dungeon i did more of like a dungeon that was appropriate to my current level and it was really satisfying um to just really be able to focus my full attention on that and yeah so anyway it's kind of a bummer that i can't play certain games during live streams because of that because of the focus that they that they require anyway one game i'm almost positive i'm going to play a decent amount of during the live stream is fallout 3 which i've come back to and still been enjoying my terminator run on that again i didn't play a ton this week because i'm like oh i don't want to get bored of it i don't want to find myself accidentally getting sick of it so i didn't play a ton but really been enjoying that. That's nice and atmospheric. That'd be another example of a game that has kind of a darker atmosphere to it, but I'm not really in danger of dying. Well, I'm speaking too soon because there was a little bit there where I was not watching my health and so I got myself killed but, <laughs> but I got plenty of stim packs and plenty of cash and you know so I, I'm definitely set I just gotta watch the dumb health bar for Anson. um but yeah having a, a good time with that and, and kind of surprised I mean centaurs aside which I mentioned last week freaked the crap out of me they're just ugh, I don't like looking at them but th- even those aside uh the different atmospheres the different t- buildings that are basically dungeons, you know, that you're exploring, uh, really have a nice atmosphere. And I'm thinking that this, this year at Extra Life, I'll to help myself stay awake late at night, I might just turn up the volume on some games. I I don't think I've ever remembered to consider that as an option, but I think that really some of these games... They're not necessarily horror games, but they are more intense to me if I just turn up the volume and just let those guns blare in my ears. And it won't affect what you guys hear. It won't, you know, mess up the balance for the stream and my recording. But just in my in my own ears, turn the volume up. So, And Fallout 3 is one that definitely has some atmosphere that, even though I'm not in danger of dying, can kind of uh, be uh, enthralling just because it's more intense when the volume's up. But... Uh, let's see, I also had a couple of movie nights with my boys, in-, in part because I was, like, not really wanting to play video games before this close to Extra Life. Uh, but first I watched Skyline with, uh, Asher, uh, my oldest son, as kind of like a, a monster movie to kind of ease him into some of these rated r movies that i think in particular he is ready for he's just as i said uh last time i think he's built up a mystique in his mind about uh what it what it means to be a rated r movie and just feels like he's not ready for it you know and and there are some rated r movies that are li- really not much more intense at all than some pg-13 movies that i have and so uh, i suggested we watch skyline together because that's a pg-13 movie that definitely has some like you know, monster horror type stuff in it. Aliens that are like taking people's heads off and stuff, but they, they cut away just enough at some key moments um, to, you know, to, to not qualify, to not get them an R rating. But the, the aliens themselves are certainly creepy. Just, you know, just as creepy looking as say the, the xenomorphs in the alien franchise. They just don't, show them, you know, killing people in the same gory way that those that those movies do. So um and, and I'm not saying that he's ready for alien. That's just that's just a comparison. There's other particular movies that I think he might be ready for. Anyway, so we watched that. Um he thought it was all right. Um which I'm okay with him not loving it. Uh he was bummed that the ending, you know, is kind of like this really abrupt ending. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I won't spoil it if you haven't, but it ends on this really unusual note that is an end it it is a note of victory but at the same time it totally goes in a crazy direction just before the end of the story and then suddenly it rolls credits and you're like whoa 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 we're rolling credits now i want to see like the next 20 minutes there's 20 more minutes of this movie right (laughs) um so anyway uh so we watched that and um you know i'm fine with him not loving it but what was satisfying was i was like so so i was like kiddo you know you I think you're ready for some of these other movies that I that I think you might be ready for. You know, um, one that I think he's ready for that I'd love to watch with him is *Frighteners*. The director's cut of *Frighteners*, which I have, is rated R only because it adds one exploding head in it, um, and it's even in a done in a comical supernatural kind of way because the guy's head explodes and then you immediately see his ghost head in place of the head that just exploded. You know, so it's kind of a funny, you know, uh, moment that plays up the supernatural aspects of the, of the movie in a neat, in a very neat and creative way. But anyway, other than that, basically it's, it's a PG 13 movie. And, uh, and I, so I think he'd totally be ready for that. And uh, anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so, but since I had a special movie night with Asher, Titus, my uh, youngest, was kind of wanting a special. He was like, "Oh, you know, let's. How come you guys get to do this?" And I was like, "Well, it's a scary movie. It's not going to be one for you." I said, "But how about we? You know, would you like to have a f- special movie night sometime soon? Why don't we do that?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So, we watched uh, Labyrinth, the David Bowie, Jennifer Connelly classic family fantasy movie that uh, Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop had a big part in, and uh, yeah, in terms of like its target audience um it does not age for me well it is very clearly a kids movie (laughs) but watching it again i certainly could still appreciate all the practical creature effects uh in that movie and titus really enjoyed it um and so that was cool to be able to watch that with him um I have been continuing to read the trade paperback Superman, Lois, and Clark, which is the story that reintroduced the pre-New 52 Superman into the New 52 universe as kind of like uh, several opening steps that were leading to another reboot, the, the, the DC rebirth event. Um, and I'm interested in these characters in Lois and Clark as parents. Um, and in this stage of life, I'm interested in all that stuff I'm interested in seeing how they get reincorporated into what is now the, the the mainline continuity So I'm interested in seeing how that all works out But they're telling this story that is really not primarily about those things Well, it it is largely about those things it's largely about them in the stage of life that they're in figuring out what they're going to tell their son, John, when, cause they're, they're keeping the fact that Clark is Superman from him, you know, cause this world has a Superman and they're trying to simplify their lives and stay off the radar and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have made that choice, but you know, a little kid isn't going to be able to keep a secret until a certain age. So maybe you do, maybe it is wise to keep those things from him. You know, it's why you don't, use certain words about around kids that you maybe would use around other people because your kids at certain ages are just parrots and they they can't control that <laughs> you know so so I guess maybe I, I you know I, I can understand why they would choose to keep that uh, uh from uh, from their son John but anyway um a lot of time is spent on this villain that I'd never heard of I don't even know if he's was in past superman stories or not that's, like, super dangerous and, like, I think followed him from the pre-New 52 universe. And and there's stuff going on with that villain. And then with Hank Henshaw, who in the original continuity became Cyborg Superman, but hasn't yet in this New 52 continuity. And so Superman's just kind of keeping an eye on him, like, okay, well, this happened in the last reality I was in. I got to watch this guy like a hawk. Uh So it's just kind of weird And I would rather that the main story And the main source of conflict Has to do with explaining How they got from pre-New 52 To this universe But as I said I think uh, the last time I talked about this on the podcast Explaining how they got from one Parallel universe to the other Was this really convoluted And hastily puked out uh, Exposition um, That I could barely follow Uh, So... The story itself, like the the plot, let me put it that way, the plot that's providing the main source of action and tension is not interesting to me at all. And that's why I've been making my way through it so slowly. Uh, but I'm rewarded at least every time I do say, okay, I can handle some more of this plot that I'm not interested in. I'm rewarded every time by seeing more of lois and clark in this stage of life figuring out parenting having this established committed relationship that is not you know like the usual on again off again romances of so many superhero stories and um so i have really mixed feelings about it so i'm definitely going to keep reading it and probably buy the the next story that comes after it and uh and and follow the whole journey of them being reintegrated into the the dc universe but mixed feelings for now i have also even though i haven't commented on this for a number of weeks i have been reading it pretty consistently the high druid of shanara book straken by terry brooks and uh, this is part one of a new trilogy that takes place after the voyage of the Jural shanara trilogy in which uh the, the character that kind of was a main villain in that previous trilogy is now the main protagonist in this one. She's kind of been reformed. And it's, uh, it's, it's cool stuff. And I like that it's changing up the usual formula. I mean, there is still, like, a young coming-of-age character, at least one. And there will probably be more added to the story. But it's also involving these more mature characters that we have known in the past. It's chiefly the main character, um, Grianne Olmsford who is the high druid of the the new druid council. And so a lot of status quos have changed. You know, for for trilogy upon trilogy, there were druids, there was a single druid, and not more than one of these guys could survive at a time. Uh, They just kept passing down this mission from one generation of druid to the next, but only one druid seemed to exist at a time. And their vision was always to restart the druid council and have a bunch of druids, you know, that kind of served as... Uh, Pseudo peacemakers, more of like these kind of people that represented an ideal and 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 would uh, be helping others, you know. So I guess missionaries in a sense. Um, and so now there's this organization of druids, like there used to be ages ago, and that's cool to see that status quo change. But there's all these conflicts within the druid organization that caused a, uh, a basically a coup. That got uh, Grianne Olmsford in some serious trouble that she's having to get herself out of. And so I just appreciate that it's a it's a different kind of story with a different kind of structure. It's not the usual coming of age. Doom is coming. And these coming of age characters have... Are the only ones that can use the MacGuffin that can stop the the doom that's coming. I guess Voyage of jor Shannara was a bit different because it was they were going on this journey of kind of exploration and stuff. So I, that was definitely a step, a major step in the direction of getting away from the the previous formula of the, of the trilogies in the past. But this one, even more so, I feel like steps away from that, and and I really appreciate that. I still really like uh, Terry Brooks just kind of prose and the way he takes you into characters, feelings and motivations, but also keeps the action moving forward in a nice way. Um, So yeah, I'm enjoying getting back into that. And, and I especially love that. I can't remember nearly anything about this story. I remembered a significant amount about the voyage of the Jor-Shanara trilogy. I remember almost nothing about this trilogy, except, well, What I do know and remember of it, I've I've caught up with what I remember happening. Now I've reached the point about halfway through the first book where I'm like, now I do not remember anything about where this story goes. So uh, that's a very cool place to be um, because I'm continuing my journey of rereading the last Terry Brooks Shannara novels that I read and then moving forward with the ones that he's published since then that I I haven't bought. And there's three or no, excuse me, two um, new Shannara trilogies. Uh, that continue going into the future of, uh, of the world of Shannara. The prequels didn't interest me as much. Um, but, uh, yeah, those are waiting for me. So I'm probably going to be putting all those on my Christmas list. So, anyway, yeah, I think it's going to be a book-heavy year on Peter's Christmas list. Um, as far as what's coming up this week, well, freaking Extra Life, that's about the only thing that's on my mind right now. It's hard to think beyond it. Um, but if I were to comment a bit on, on uh, Extra Life in particular and what I will particularly be geeking out about... I am going to predict a few games that will be standouts to me that I think at this point, and I could be wrong. It just can all change once I'm into it, and especially the back half of that marathon, I'm just like, I go with whatever uh, with whatever feels right. This is one of those few instances in life where I would say, you know, it's okay to just go with what feels good. Uh, I gotta go with what feels good and what'll keep me awake. <laughs> and that can take me in some, uh, some directions I don't suspect in terms of game choices. But I think that my kind of like games of the event that I'll probably be dipping into more often than others will include Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Getting back into that, I... I was like, oh man, my memories of this are very different from what I'm experiencing this second time giving it a try. My memories of it were that it was more intimidating and felt more difficult, and I am further now into the game than I was when I last gave it a try, which was years ago. Uh, It was around the first time I was first discovering the Far Cry games, and I bought a a compilation collection that had Far Cry 2, 3, and Blood Dragon, And I just totally devoured two and three, really enjoyed those, tried a little bit of Blood Dragon. I was like, oh, I don't know, this feels weird and intimidating or something. It was the Blood Dragons themselves that felt so intimidating and dangerous. Because in one of the opening sequences, the only option you have, basically, is to sneak by them. Unlike the wild animals in the other Far Cry games, where if you've got a gun, you can probably mow them down. You know, if you just have enough time before they can chew at you but these things are so powerful so powerful that i don't know that i'll ever have weapons strong enough to really deal with them and so anything that smells like it could be an insta kill type of source of damage uh it can be a real put off for me in a video game and so i think that's what put me off originally but coming back to it now i'm like no these guys are totally avoidable um and I i think i might be able to have a really good time with this game and enjoy some of that far cry goodness that i haven't had uh, since finishing up Far Cry New Dawn, you know, so uh, I think I'll definitely be dipping into that, and and it also has a little bit of a sci-fi element to it, to it as well. I think since uh, getting back into, as I mentioned earlier, Star Trek Discovery, I've been more in the mood for like sci-fi shooters in particular, and so Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon along with Agents of Mayhem were, were kind of like right things for me to retry at this point. Um, I'll get to Agents of Mayhem in a second. Homefront the Revolution is another one that I think is, uh, is going to be one that I could dip into. It's hard to say I'll need to really get back into the groove of playing it to see, to remember kind of how I feel about it, but it has so much in common with Far Cry and I really want that kind of experience right about now. And it's a good type of game for live streams and to keep me engaged and awake, uh, so just like Far Cry 5 and Far Cry New Dawn served me in the late hours of uh, two different Extra Life marathons, I think that both Blood Dragon and Homefront are very likely candidates to to help me out um, in the late hours and other hours of the marathon as well this year. Agents of Mayhem is kind of a big mystery to me. I, I've been surprised when I played it a little bit. Uh, this last week and a little bit the week before, I was like, I am having fun with this. My gosh, what is happening here? And I've likewise gotten to about the same point in that game, I think, now that I did when I reviewed. Well, no, that's not true. I-, I put in a good four and a half or five hours when I reviewed it. I don't think I've quite made it that far. But my attitude is much more positive about it now at this point than it was by the time I got to this point during the review process. And so I think it's just hitting me at a different time when I'm kind of wanting slightly different things right now. Um, I still have to put up with the humor, as I mentioned earlier, but uh, I I think for just kind of something bright and laser shooty (laughs) and kind of a a little bit of a sci-fi element to it, Uh, That's not really difficult that I can just go around blasting the crap out of things in an open world uh, I think it's going to fit the bill for me Now I do remember reaching a point after the review process So maybe I got about six hours into it seven hours And there was a story mission that had a timer element to it Like you had to get things done in a certain amount of time or it was insta-fail scenario and I think that was where I was like, mm, I'm done. Or there was a, it was a platforming thing maybe, or something, or a combination of platforming and a timed mission. And so it could be that I'll reach that point again and be like, now forget it. Um, or maybe I'll get past it. Or maybe I'm remembering wrongly and it was not actually a required mission. I don't know. So if I don't run into that same issue during the marathon, then I can see Agents of Mayhem being one that would be that'll be a good fit. Uh, at least for uh, at least for a, a while i, I don 't know how it 'll be late at night it does, it's, you know I, I was going to say it 's not intense enough to keep me awake at night, but I, there was an extra life where I played um, Saints Row Two for like hours like two and a half or three hours of the hardest hours of extra life, and somehow, I just was able to get into a groove and it didn 't have to be this intense horror game that was the That was the year that I realized, oh my gosh i don 't actually have to play these terrible horrifying games to stay awake (laughs) because that is there's definitely a cost (laughs) to me i am not having fun playing freaking dead space to stay awake um it does the job but man if i can do do that with some other game i totally will um and to keep with the open world jumpy shooty type thing uh spider-man ps4 um i i have this odd feeling that Maybe in a live stream setting, in particular, I will be willing to put up with some things that I wouldn't ordinarily put up when put up with when it's just me playing the game I want to play at the end of a long work day. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, can, I can't even tell you. That I don't have a logical reason why I why I'm feeling optimistic about Spider Man and that I'll be able to get back into it and really enjoy it again. But maybe something will be... I have this optimistic feeling that something will be different about doing it as playing it in a live stream compared to... And I don't even know what that is. This is weird. This is weird. I don't know. Um, but, but those, are, I think, are going to be the standout games for me. That, that's my guess uh, during the live stream. I, I, I'm thinking I might play a good chunk of Pathfinder uh, Kingmaker as well because I think that'll be a fairly chat-conducive game. Because I don't have to really micromanage the combat very much. And I can still be making a good amount of progress. But that's speculation at this point. We'll see. We'll see. But as far as after Extra Life, if I were to try to look beyond it to my recovery day on Sunday, um, I I think I might try to binge watch something again. You know, last year... I, uh, throughout the marathon was talking about Jack Ryan season two and how much I was looking forward to that. That actually, I didn't enjoy that as much as season one, which is kind of a bummer. So it was a bit of an anticlimactic reward for me the next day. I only ended up watching about like binging, like maybe two, two and a half episodes, three maybe. And, uh, and, and then I was like, okay, I'm good with that, you know, but what I'd like to do, there's some, there's some Amazon Prime shows in particular that I want to watch. Hannah season two, I've been putting off watching because the father character is not going to be in the second season. Um, And it's all out. So I say he's not going to be, but he, as far as I know, does not appear in the second season. And I really like the father-daughter dynamic of the first season. It was the main, one of the main selling points for that show. So knowing that he's not going to be in the second season, I've just never been motivated to check it out. But... I keep thinking about it every now and then like, ah, I I do want to give it a try sometime So I I think maybe this Sunday As I'm recovering in the afternoon Could be the time for that On the other hand I have really become a fan of uh, Vikings And by the way, Hannah does have a light sci-fi element to it If you're not familiar with that story It's about this government program That basically genetically engineered girls To be these fighting machines for them So it's that kind of light level of sci-fi uh, and then vikings um, i 've become a, a fan of over the years, really has a light fantasy element too the The way that they present the story they do call into question at times whether or not the supernatural elements of the story are really happening, like if the gods really are in play in some way um, or if uh, if Jesus is you know in the realities of of Christianity are true and at play in some way in fact i think in some striking ways it validates christianity in some very surprising ways um it doesn't that it's not that it invalidates supernatural realities associated with um uh with viking uh with the uh, gosh what's that whole not viking religion what's the um norse norse religion the norse gods the north uh, norse mythology um but uh but I mean as Christians we can say that there are other supernatural realities going on. They're just darker and not what they appear to be to the people that adhere to them, you know. Um so anyway, I, I think that it's it's an interesting movie to watch from a Christian perspective and it and it can be viewed with uh with a headcanon that validates uh Christian truth in, in a number of respects. So uh and then it's also, you know, has that a little bit of that fantasy, just enough of that fantasy vibe to it in the way that it, the story is told. You know, it's like, okay, is this something supernatural that's really happening, or are they just representing cinem- cinematically? The viewpoint the the religious perspective of this Viking, or whatever you know, so uh, you can kind of interpret the stylization of the show to make it more of a fantasy experience, and I think that 's a valid interpretation I think that it 's it's being shot in a way throughout the run of the show so that people that are into fantasy will have some things they can glom onto. And people that are not quite ready to have full-on orcs and fantasy and stuff, they can say to themselves, oh, they're just representing what's going on in their heads or something. So I I think it I think it is able to kind of uh, potentially appeal to both fantasy fans and people that are not interested in seeing fantasy. So uh but anyway, yeah, season six, I've only watched the first like one and a half episodes. And it's come to Amazon Prime as of a few months ago, and I've been meaning to get around to it. And just haven't yet. Uh, so that could easily be one that I could end up binging. And then also the only other geek thing that I might be able to see myself doing this week, other than, you know, playing some more video games, is if I'm video gamed out, which probably isn't going to happen. That's never happened at the end of the extra Life Marathon. I almost always still feel like playing video games at least later in the day on Sunday the next day. Um, and my wife usually... Looks, walks by my office, looks at me and shakes her head and walks away (laughs) when she sees that Um, But I can see myself maybe just wanting a quiet office sometime this week with no stimulation Just have my steamer on, my nice steamer, my cool mist humidifier that I liked so much as a child And have that on, that soothing sounds of my steamer And just playing a quiet game of Pathfinder, the adventure card game by myself in my office That's a maybe, that's a maybe, we'll see but for what it's worth That's my Geek Week And that's all for this week guys Stay tuned after the credits For B-Fi Shrama With Adam David Collings Commenting episode by episode On one of his favorite Sci-fi shows Babylon 5 Or you can jump back To episode 575 If you want to start At the beginning Next week If God allows it There will be a show Other than that I have no idea um, I'm going to have An In Search of Truth segment But it's probably going to be A more uh, devotional Less study type Of, uh, of segment Um, Just because the week is going to be busy both Monday is gonna I won't be able to get as much done because I'll still kind of be moving slow and recovering on, on Monday and then on Tuesday I'll be prepping for my boys live stream on Wednesday Wednesday all day I'll be acting as silent producer in the background and so that really just leaves me Thursday and Friday barely to cobble together a podcast some kind of review content for Friday. Um, so, there'll be something. I know Assassin's Creed Valhalla is. I mean, there's a lot of events going on next week that are relevant to gamers that could result in me either playing something or buying something that I could comment on next week, but I, I don't know that that's going to happen. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is coming out next Tuesday. I do plan to review that. That's another reason I still have the, the Gamefly one month subscription. I bought it, or I paid for that subscription specifically so I could kind of kill two birds or three birds maybe even with one stone because uh spider-man miles morales is also coming out and if i can get my hands on that before my GameFly one month subscription runs out then i'll review that too uh, but anyway i don't know if i'll get uh valhalla fast enough to be able to present any thoughts on it for you guys in the podcast next week um, and the ps5 and the xbox series x are both releasing next week on a tuesday the xbox series consoles are releasing and on thursday the ps5 is releasing um, it, the scuttlebutt is at this point, if you haven't pre-ordered the, your console, you're not going to be able to get one um, on release day in stores. But sometimes, you know, it, it does happen. Uh, if I if I remember correctly, that yeah, you'll, you're pre-orders, you know, for console launch will guarantee that you get it. But there's also going to be a bunch that are coming to stores. And so, I mean, I've heard stories of people like saying, no, I just walked into the store and bought mine, you know, so um, so I, I am going to, at least on Thursday, investigate a few options, few local retail stores, and, and if they don't have them in stock, which they probably will not, at least, you know, investigate and find out when they're anticipating getting more and stuff like that, so I don't know if I'll have anything console related to comment on next week or Valhalla related to comment on maybe I'll just do a bucket list movie review some movie that I haven't gotten around to that won't exactly be timely but it'll be you know one that uh, that I, I, I you know feel like is worth putting on the show Um, oh crap I need to go and make dinner for my family so I gotta wrap this up now guys anyway so I will try to make something that's interesting and worth listening to next week but who knows what that's gonna be till then though please consider supporting the work of Christian Geek Central and Spirit Blade Productions and earning some fun rewards by becoming a Spirit Blade Insider of any subscription tier at patreon.com slash Productions I'd also be grateful for positive reviews wherever you find this podcast Um, and just one more reminder if you happen to be one of the people that. That listens to this before my marathon 5 a.m to 5 a.m pacific time starting saturday morning november 7th youtube.com slash christian geek central thank you so much for making time for the show i hope you have a great week and that you'll join me next time here on the christian geek g- what is this called the christian geek central podcast as we continue to geek out and seek the truth <laughs> The Christian Geek Central Podcast is a community-supported endeavor of Spirit Blade Productions. This podcast is produced by Peter Fremsen with support from the Christian Geek Central community at ChristianGeekCentral.com. For information about the latest entertainment and resources from Spirit Blade Productions, visit SpiritBlade.com. Thank you for listening.
2: it all back the way that it was it's the same anymore anyway. why do i still have to remind myself that she's why gone? don't you eliminate the entire non-home world stand between the darkness and the light
0: declaring martial law tell my own government wants to kill me get off their encounter suited butts and do something any crew that executes an order like that is guilty of war crimes being a freedom fighter is a wonderful thing but the pay sucks so we're screwed now get the hell out of our
1: galaxy it's all been leading to this Welcome to Point of No Return. The description on the Lurker's Guide reads As the Earth Alliance plunges toward civil war, internal strife threatens to shatter the command structure of B5. Zack's loyalties are put to the test when Night Watch is ordered to take over security. Londo relie- receives another glimpse of his destiny. This episode first aired on the 26th of February, 1996. In a lot of ways, this episode and the next go together. I think of them as a pair, almost a two-parter. In story structure, the midpoint of a novel is a very important moment. It's a point of transition. During the first half of the second act, the characters have been reacting to the first plot point, which was at the 25% mark. After the midpoint, they stop being reactionary and start going on the offensive. They start to act rather than react. It's a definite shift. So what was our first plot point? That was Chrysalis, the season 1 finale. Two important things happened in that episode. The assassination of President Santiago, and the shadows stepping out of, dare I say, the shadows, and striking a Narn colony in service of Londo. Our characters have spent one and a half seasons reacting to those two things which are themselves quite connected. These two episodes give us the biggest status quo shift that I have ever seen on television. Jakar even says outright in this episode, we stand at a moment of transition. Today's episode and next week's episode together form the midpoint of Babylon 5. Yes, we're halfway through the show. Can you believe it? Let's cover the Londo plot first, and then we'll dive into the really meaty stuff. Londo is still rewriting Veer's reports to make them look more politic. The aim is to word everything with a negative slant in order to make the Minbari look bad and the Centauri look good. Veer protests that the purpose of his report is to provide accurate intelligence on the Minbari. And Londo replies with this great line, Intelligence has nothing to do with politics! Doesn't that just say it all? <laughs> so Lady Morella, Emperor Toron's fourth third wife, is visiting the station to see Londo. She is a prophetess, a seer. Londo wants to know if the destiny he sees ahead is what is or what might be. He wants her to tell him it won't happen as he sees it. Interesting fact Lady Morella is played by none other than Majel Barrett Roddenberry. The First Lady of Star Trek, Pike's Number One, Nurse Chapel, The Computer Voice, and of course, who could forget, Luxana Troy? Now over the years, there have been some controversy over the similarities between B5 and DS9. It's true that JMS first pitched Babylon 5 to Paramount, and they turned it down. And then later, Deep Space Nine appeared. And yes, there are some surface similarities, more than a few. But ultimately, the two shows are still very different in more ways than they are similar. I don't know what really happened in the background, but I looked to JMS. He never publicly criticised DS9 for stealing his show. He continually talked about how B5 is very different to Star Trek. I see this casting of Majel as a sign of peace. The two great franchises were expressing their mutual respect for one another. And that makes me smile. Also, let me assure you, Mirella is much less annoying than Waxana. When Londo meets her, he says, I need to see what is before me, whether I should escape it or embrace it, and whether there is any longer a choice. There is always a choice, Mirella says. We say there is no choice only to comfort ourselves in the choice we have already made. If you understand that, there is hope. I thought those were wise words. Anyway. Here's the prophecy that she gives him. You have a chance few others will ever have Malari. You still have three opportunities to avoid the fire that waits for you at the end of your journey. You've already wasted two others. You must save the eye that does not see. You must not kill the one who is already dead. And at the last, you must surrender yourself to your greatest fear, knowing that it will destroy you. Now, if you fail all the others, that is your final chance for redemption. Now, we'll see what these things mean over time. But again, it's interesting to me that Morella's idea of redemption is very much works based. The idea that you can redeem yourself from past sins by performing good acts. And then she tells both Londo and Via that they will both be emperor. One will be emperor after the other dies. That is so JMS. He gives us the answers up front, but he doesn't give us the context until much later. It's a really interesting storytelling device. I really enjoy this little character driven plot for Londo. I pretty much enjoy any character stuff I do with him. Okay, now onto the real plot of this episode. In the wake of last week's episode, President Clark has just dissolved the senate. Most of them are on the run. The elite guard just opened fire on the senate building. Mars and Io have been ordered to enact martial law as well. That order will come to Babylon 5 soon. General Haig is trying to organise a counter strike. Haig is Sheridan's primary contact. If they get him, they get us. The next big problem. The political office has assigned security to Night Watch exclusively. They claim every branch of the government has been infected by people working against the best in needs of earth. Clark has been building toward this for 18 months. He's put his people in place. He's raised paranoia to get people afraid. And then he dissolves the Senate, essentially transforming himself from a democratic leader to a dictator. And then he takes control of the police force so he can enforce his will on everybody. Sheridan is trying to think his way out of this problem, but Garibaldi is ready to bust some heads. Nobody sells his people out. He's not willing to wait to figure out an alternative. He's a man of action. Zack wants Garibaldi to play along. As if. This isn't a game, he says. You better get your priorities straight. Hell's coming right behind me, and you better be on the right side when it comes. this is it. I've been saying for weeks that Zach has to figure out what side he's on. This is the time. Now, he has to make his decision today. Jakar has had a revelation. The kind that transforms your mind and soul, so that you are a new creature, reborn in the moment of understanding. To save our people, we must sacrifice our people. Sacrifice ourselves. Some of this sounds kind of like somewhat biblical language. (laughs) Excuse me. But then he says, the humans are the key, together we will turn that key, because on the other side is salvation for all of us. And then the order comes, Sheridan is to declare martial law on Babylon 5, effective immediately. There's a firefight between earth warships, General Haig is calling on branches of earth force to join in opposing President Clark. A big theme in these two episodes is the idea of choosing which orders to follow. When do you make the call that an order isn't illegal or immoral? How far do you go in disregarding that order or actively working against it? These kinds of decisions are not easy, and this show really demonstrates the weight of those choices. The biggest problem is Nightwatch. Whatever John decides, he can't do anything while Nightwatch is running security. And that's when John realises that that other general I don't know his name, was giving him a secret message when he passed on the orders about Nightwatch. The political office, despite its connection to the president, is a civilian agency. Orders must come through the chain of command, from the president to the Joint Chiefs of Staff through immediate superiors. The Nightwatch order is illegal because it didn't come through the military chain of command. John has a legal loophole he can exploit, but he needs a little help. Luckily, Jakar has an idea. And I love the face he pulls when he goes up to Ivanova to tell her his idea. Pure gold from Andreas Kotsalas. So Zack makes his choice, but they kind of keep us guessing which side he's actually on. There's a rumour that Sheridan is bringing in non-security to replace Nightwatch. So off they all go to arrest the captain, but it's a ploy to get them locked up in the cargo bay. Zack has chosen to join the captain and Garibaldi. I'm curious, did that fool you? Did you know which side he was playing for? I felt a great sense of triumph when Zach finally tears off that armband. And then the Nan come rushing in to help run security. Now that most of the station's security staff are confined to quarters. Always plant a lie inside the truth, Sheridan says. Makes it easier to swallow. Ironically, that's what Satan does. If you look in scripture, he'll often mix in a little bit of truth with his lies. So Jakar wants in. He's not an idiot. He knows Sheridan and Len have been assembling a new alliance, and he wants to join. John John doesn't deny it, but he has to discuss this with the others. And so the episode closes. Haig is on the run. They expect to capture him. They'll be coming for us next. We've solved one small part of the problem. Nightwatch are no longer running security, but President Clark has still taken over and sooner or later, he'll issue that Nightwatch order personally. Still, John has taken steps in this episode. He's done things that he can't walk away from. He's openly defied Nightwatch. He's openly defied President Clark. This really is a point of no return. The excitement continues next week, where our heroes will make an even greater decision that will change the nature of the show forever. I'll see you then.